Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Well, today I am with Dr. David Sundin, and Dr. Sundin is has been brought aboard Baptist Home and Healthcare Ministries to help lead and facilitate the new hospice ministry. David, could you just uh, introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background prior to coming to Baptist Home and Healthcare sure. Ministries? Absolutely. Well, I was, uh, I tell everybody I'm a product of the Midwest. My mom's uh, family, when, when they immigrated in and all that, immigrated into uh, Minnesota and Iowa area. My dad's family, when they immigrated in, they went to the Nebraska area. So Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, where is where my heritage is my Swedish heritage so my dad grew up on a farm and uh, in Nebraska but uh, he tried his hand at farming and didn't uh, uh, it didn't work well for him so he he went with the department United States Department of Agriculture so from from uh, all of my remembrance I remember being you know going to the farm my grandparents farm but I didn't grow up on the farm. Um, but my dad worked for the Department of Agriculture, and with that, we got transferred around a lot. Okay. So most of my relatives are still in the Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa area. But, um, yeah, you know, my family, we, we traveled around, yeah, getting um, transferred about every two years. You know, we did, uh, you know, of course, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Puerto Rico, Maryland. But my dad finally quit. Um, transferring when I was in going into seventh grade we went into Slidell Louisiana mm -hmm. and of course you do your junior high your high school and your first two years of college there you know that for a long time that was home I mean I just but I have no more family in Louisiana they've all okay. moved back to the Nebraska area and so um, the only the only ties I have now to Minnesota or I mean to Louisiana uh, are just memories and people who contact me who remember me growing up there, but I don't really have any ties to Louisiana anymore. All my ties now are at, uh, basically Minnesota and Missouri. So I accepted Christ early in life, uh, about five years old, and uh, I was baptized at 12. At 13, I was on a mission trip and felt the strong call into the ministry. That sustained me all through junior high and high school. Um, I went to the University of New Orleans for a couple of years uh, because, you know, I was told you need to get your, your bachelor's first and you can go to seminary. Well, then I found out they have these Bible colleges. So <laughs> I, uh, I uh, transferred out of uh, UNO, uh, University of New Orleans, and went to uh, St. Paul Bible College in Minnesota. Okay. You know, I was the seventh of my family to actually go. Wow. Um, and I think there's been about 15 of us now in our extended family that, that have been uh, to the college. It's now called Crown College. But I went there and I got my, I got a double major, a bachelor's in uh, Bible and also one in theology. And, but the bit, one of the best things is in registration line, I met a girl named Julie and uh, we've been married now for uh, 41, 41 years, a little over 41 years. Uh, got uh, four 
grown kids, all married. Different kind of registration is what you're saying took place was, there. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I won't tell you the opening line on on uh, <laughs> the uh, on the podcast, but uh, I'm surprised she even talked to me. But anyway, um, um, so I got you know four grown children, all married, and six grandkids uh, at this point. So. It's fun time of life. But after we graduated from uh, college, uh, we went to Appleton, Wisconsin. I was a youth minister there for a couple of years. And then I felt like I didn't have enough education. So since my folks were still living in Louisiana, uh, right outside New Orleans, my wife and I and two kids at the time packed up and moved to uh, Louisiana to do a seminary at New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I did my MD there. And I was going to go into the doctoral program, but it was like, you know, uh, it's time to make a little money. And so that's what we did. We moved back to Minnesota and made a little money. <laughs> Not much. Um, but I was with the Home Mission Board at the time, okay. um, and I was a church planter. So spent 10 years in southwest Minnesota uh, pastoring a church there and planting churches around us. I tell people that in the 10 years we were there, we were able to actually grow the church up to where it could sustain itself. And then we were able to also plant 10 other churches around us. Okay. Uh, but I also put the caveat in there. We really didn't know what we were doing. And so it's like every year I was trying to plant a new church. And I, I really did not know how to, how to put together a church that could sustain itself. So at this point of all those churches, there's, there's only three of them that are left um, up there after... 30 some years. But that put me on a track of where the denomination was taking notice. Uh, you know, they weren't asking how healthy those churches were. They were just saying, wow, he planted 10 churches in 10 years. That's awesome. So I became director of missions in okay. northern Minnesota, okay. where I spent nine years there, uh, kind of honing some of the church planting skills. Uh, but still, having some, still realizing we're not getting this right. By this time, I was with the North American Mission Board, um, and they started coming up with some new uh, ideas and training and stuff, that, which was very helpful. But I, I, wanted, to, uh, I wanted to advance further. Um, after nine years there, I went to the Minnesota-Wisconsin State Convention office in Rochester, Minnesota, and I became the um, evangelism director, the state okay. evangelism director. And while I was and and the thing that was fun about it was, although I was working with churches, I was still mostly working with church planters, okay. trying to increase their evangelism efforts. And during that time, I earned my doctorate here at Midwestern in church planting, and my it, the focus was evangelism. So I tell people evangelistic church planting, <laughs> there you go. Uh, which really is an oxymoron. I mean it it. It should be, you don't, you shouldn't have to say evangelistic church planting. That's what it should be. Um, but I was doing that when I graduated because my dissertation was, uh, because we were so spread out in Minnesota, Wisconsin convention, uh, my dissertation involved me doing training and things with online. Oh, okay. So okay. I tapped into uh, the uh, Midwestern's 
online portal, which was nothing like it is today. No, it was it horrible. I remember it that. It was horrible. And uh, so I had, to, I had to do a lot of punting, but we got it done. And this kind of caught their attention. And then they asked me if I would help develop some online courses and teach. That was in 2010. Did that for three years. And then they asked me if I would move to uh, Kansas City to become the dean of online studies. Well, they asked me to direct the program. Then I became the dean later. But so I was I did that for just just shy of eight years. Um, was the dean of online studies and teaching here at Midwestern. I'm still a professor at Midwestern. Um, but I no longer have the academic responsibility, or not, no longer have the administrative responsibilities, because uh, a few months back, Dr. Harrison, who had actually recruited me to come to Midwestern, he he had uh, become the president of the Baptist Homes organization, Baptist Homes uh, Healthcare Ministries organization, and uh, he wanted to start a hospice program. And he asked me if that was something that I would be willing to come and join him. And at first it was like, no, I don't know anything about the medical field. I'm a doctor, uh, but not that kind. But anyway, after a while, and you're praying about it and all, um, I decided. And so on August 1st, I became the executive director of Baptist Homes Hospice, which at this point does not exist, but we're putting it together. So that kind of catches you up on uh, my background. Yeah, wonderful. And and so obviously at some point after the hospice program is working, uh, we'll have you back on so that you can give us some more information <laughs> sure, about abs- that at that absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, so again, I, I appreciate that, giving us that background. But now that you have been brought on by mm-hmm. Baptist Home and Healthcare Ministries, we're still getting used to saying it that way, right? right? Uh, let's talk big picture for a minute and then, then kind of drill down. Sure. What 100 years? Plus is right. what the Baptist Home and now Baptist Home Healthcare Ministries has been. Never ventured into healthcare ministry or, or into hospice ministry before. Um, why hospice and and yeah. what? Why now? Why is now the right time for that? Okay. Um, well, uh, if you go back to the 108 year uh, history of the Baptist Home. All right. Mm -hmm. It started. And I know that you guys have talked on other podcasts about the history and different things of uh, the Baptist home and how it advanced and and all. But it was designed not to be taking any outside uh, funds with the government. All right. And so they started and they started with just, you know, people giving and and things uh, from our churches and stuff. But they weren't taking in. I don't even know that there was any government help when they started. <laughs> That's probably true. But as it progressed, they stayed within that mold, and they never got into, like, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, things along those lines. Uh, they never they never got into that. And now that uh, we're going into our 109th year, and uh, we've got people who, are, who have worked their entire lives, they've been paying into their Social Security, their Medicare, all those benefits and things, and um, to tell them that they would not be able to use that in uh, for their nursing home, di- I mean, different policies. Mm-hmm. And there's it's there's a lot of different levels here. But to say that we couldn't do that, um, that's that's really not a good business model. And it also then doesn't take advantage of what they have paid into for 
for all these years. And so there was that shift where we knew that if Baptist Homes was going to be viable, um, it was going to have to also tap into the benefits that our people have earned. So that is the process right now where we're doing the paperwork. And that's not one of the things that I'm doing, thank goodness. I've got other people working on that. But in order to turn us into a Medicare, Medicaid uh, payee, thus we can take advantage of those and help more people. So that's one thing. But the big issue here, and I like the way Dr. Harrison uh, says it, in the past, we have told people, you come to us, and we'll take care of you the rest of your life. But now we're moving into more of a Great Commission idea of going. And so it still is true. If you come to us, we'll take care of you the rest of your life. But now we're emphasizing we can come to you okay. and take care of you the rest of your life. And the way we're starting this off is with the hospice program. And so the hospice program is uh, going to have the ability to allow people to stay in their homes. And we then will send the medical personnel, the spiritual personnel, the social workers, the aides, uh, you know, all of these type of things. Once a person has been declared to uh, uh, be uh, eligible for hospice, we now can go into their homes and they don't have to come to our facilities, but we can go to theirs. But there's another issue here, too. Um, it's not just a home hospice that we're looking at. We've got these, uh, right now, seven uh, nursing homes. Two of them are being um, updated right now, and we don't have any patients in them. So they're being uh, remodeled, and they're going to look really good. Um, one of them, uh, one of our new ones, is actually being remodeled while we do have some, some residents there. So they're okay. having to shift things around. That's the one in Independence. But the one in Adrian and the one in Smithville, those are empty buildings right now. And we are, we're working on those to update those to get them open. But, um, one of the issues is, so you have someone who's in your nursing home and the doctors say to them, you are now eligible for hospice. So in other words, in order to be eligible for hospice, what they're basically saying is there really isn't anything else that we can medically do to extend your life. And if the degree, if the, if the, uh, if the disease or the situation that you're dealing, medical situation you're dealing with, if that continues the way it is now, you have six months or less to live. All right. So, a basic hospice. Now, there's some other things involved there. So you have someone in the nursing home, and the doctors have said, yes, they're eligible for hospice. Now, at this point, when you're eligible for hospice, the government, um, then the Medicaid will pay for your hospice. But if the institution that you're in is not set up as okay. a payee, then you have to bring in an outside organization. And so now we have been, we'll just say, for instance, we've been taking care of someone for five years and they have learned to love our nurses and they mm -hmm. love, you know, just we have the chaplains there and all this. But once they go into hospice, they're still in the same room, they're still in the same bed, but now they have a different organization from the outside coming in. 
And we just think that it is to our residents' benefit that when they go into hospice that they're able to then tap into the finances of hospice, which will then help our institutions, but they will be able to keep their same nurses, their same aides, their same social workers, their same chaplains, all of that, and they just transition into the hospice program and we don't have to have another outside agency come in to take over so that's part of the the reasoning too just for the sake of our residents there and if you've got uh, if you've if you've got them taking up a uh, a room as, as a nursing home but they're in hospice then the pay then goes to the hospice agency and if it's us then that sure. that would take care that would take care of their needs and their room and all of that and it we don't have to rely on the church's gifts and all to uh, maintain that and, and having two payments because they're still paying you for the room if, and they're paying the outside agency for the other so yeah there'd be two different yeah. uh, aspects of payment rather than the single payment right for, for Baptist homes exactly yeah. and so I mean and there's there's different levels even of that you know okay. we don't need to get into all of that but it's good for Baptist homes for their long-term uh, viability but it's also really good for the uh, the residents because it it just doesn't seem like much of a shift to them because we'd be using the same same people they've grown to love and in our Baptist homes we have a level of care there that is is um, phenomenal um, and when it would go into hospice then it would become a different type of of care but it would still be at that same wonderful level um, and it would be good for the residents and so this is why so the idea you know kind of summing it up it is <clears throat> it is good to be great commission in going out Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. um, and so now we want to come go to people. Um, but it's also good for our residents in our nursing homes because it will be seamless. There won't yeah. be a new organization coming in and in click of a button. It's not a phone call to a hospice agency anymore. It's a click of a button and the hospice is there. That's great. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, Part of the conversation that you just shared with me, I'm guessing prior to August 1, you couldn't have shared. I mean, you're, you're learning a lot during this time in so many ways. What are you specifically doing right now as you prepare for this venture? That's, that's a good question. Um, so I was, when I came on, you know, I had planted a lot of churches. I'd started a lot of things. And so... When I came on, I had this idea that if I read enough, if I talked to enough people, <laughs> I would be able to get this figured out. But it became very apparent to me that starting a hospice with all the governmental um, levels that we have to, and hoops we have to jump through, was not like starting a church. Hmm. And so we are now contracting with a um, consulting firm that will help. And so I've been, I've been talking with them. So if you had talked to me like two weeks ago, I was pretty, um, <laughs> I was swamped. I mean, I was like, I was, 
I had gone under and I was raising my hand, you know, remember the old cartoons Yes, <laughs> going down. And uh, so I, I talked to, I talked to Dr. Harrison about it and he was like, of course you can't do this yourself. <laughs> so now we're partnering with different people and different agencies that are going to be able to help us walk through all of the licensing procedures, all the Medicare, Medicaid approvals, um, the, you know, all all the different things that you have to do to get this uh, program up and running. And I guess when I was looking at it, I could see, all right, there's seven things I have to do, but they're not numbered one, two, three. And it's like they all seem to intersect. Okay. And it, it's, it was not like you could just concentrate on one thing and then move to the next. You kind of had to concentrate on all of them together. And so the good thing is uh, that is now happening and we're going to be moving forward. But this is a long process. It's not like just starting a church and starting to meet. Um, before we get fully certified, we're probably talking now about 10 to 12 months Okay. Uh, you know, it's like you get this document done and you turn it in and they say, okay, we've got it, but it'll be three to four months for us to evaluate and all of this. And once you get done with that, then you go into the next step and that might take six, eight weeks. Then you go into the next step, which may be months again. Okay. All this time you're sitting there just doing your manuals, doing your policies, procedures, all of this, getting everything ready to go. And then you have to actually have, before you get your final approval, you actually have to have five patients. So you've got to have all of your personnel in place, even before you can start getting paid by the uh, the government for hospice. You you know this is you do this on your own. You pay your people and you take care of uh, at least five people, and then after that they do an evaluation. And if all that goes well, then you can start billing uh, Medicaid for the hospice. But this is one of, like a lot of people try on their own to start hospice programs and they fail because they don't have the uh, $100,000 to $300,000 necessary to be able to sustain themselves while they're going through this process. Okay. All right. Um, but because Baptist Homes is committed to this, we're not just out on our own. We are under the Baptist Homes Healthcare uh, Ministries and they have said, yes. This is what we want, and we're going to make sure we have the financial backing to make this happen. So that it's okay. that's a good thing for us. I've heard Dr. Harrison say before that apart from nuclear energy, there are there is no other industry that has more regulations than than healthcare and and hospice care and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of mentioned what you're doing organizationally. What yes. are you doing personally? You mentioned before yes. we turned on the on the recording that you're doing CPE yes. work and that kind of stuff. How yes. what what does that entail and how's that going for you? Okay, well you know um, one of my strengths, of course, is the ministry component. And as I begin this hospice, one of the things that we have to have we have to have chaplaincy in this. We have to have chaplains going in, providing for the spiritual care of people. Uh, and that is one of my, that's one of my strengths. Like, for example, I, I can't do the nursing part, so I'm going to have to hire someone to do the nursing, sure, right? Sure. I'm not going to go in and do the aids, but I can do the spiritual care. 
and I want to be endorsed by North American Mission Board. Now I can be I can be a, as a volunteer chaplain, but I actually want to be an actual endorsed chaplain by North American Mission Board. Want and everything everything to do that I'm already qualified for, except for one thing: I do not have any clinical pastoral education. Okay. All right, and they require that you at least have one unit, which is one year. One one unit of CPE education. So um, I am now doing my CPE training at KU Med. Uh, I you know that I do the every Saturday. I'm there um, for about five hours every two weeks. I have an overnight a 16 hour shift where I'm doing I'm on call overnight. Then during the month I need to do rounding, you know, going around and on different floors and just meeting with people, writing reports, reading books, you know, all of those kind of things as I earn that CPE credit. You know, I don't know if I'm going to go ahead and do all four units of CPE, but I believe that it is is um I, I want our hospice to have chaplains that are NAM endorsed. And and that kind of leads to another thing of how we're going to partner with churches. So remember to bring us back to that. Okay, okay. Okay. But since that is my area of strength, I want to be able, that's how I want to be able to, not only as I'm managing this, but I want to be the spiritual input um, to this. Here's the way that I try to explain it to people. There are there's a two-word phrase that, as I was thinking about this and praying about it, there's this two-word phrase that just kept coming to me, and it's home safe, home safe. And so when I'm dealing with the hospice, we want to be able to go to somebody's home and make sure that they can live out the rest of their life at their home safely. And so there's a lot of things that go into that with the medical equipment, the medical personnel, the training, education of the family members who are taking care of them, supplying the medicine, doing all of these different things that the hospice would do to help them live out the rest of their life safely at home. So home safe. But we have an advantage with Baptist Home Hospice that a lot of other agencies do not have, and that is we have seven nursing homes around the state. And so if we come into a situation where either we cannot, the, the structure of their home or whatever, they we, it just cannot work for them to be home safe, we can provide a new home for them where they okay. can be safe in one of our one of our nursing homes. Okay. And being that they're spread out and that we're growing, um, it's almost anywhere in the state of Missouri, you're somewhat close to one of our, our places. So now we can provide, if we can't keep you home safe, we can provide a new home for you where you'll be safe. Okay. All right. But the final component, which is one of the most important for us at Baptist Home Hospice, is that our ultimate goal is for you to be home safe, your eternal home, okay. to be safe eternal, eternally in heaven. And so that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to in being the spiritual care director also. Now, later on, I won't be able to do, as we expand, I won't be able to do all of that. Um, but I'm starting off, and that's going to, that's one of 
the, the places where I just am going to love going in and just taking care of the spiritual needs of our of our residents or our patients there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But in doing the CPE, that also puts our hospice at a higher level of spiritual care. Now, if I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the partner with the churches sure. right now, since I'm thinking about sure. it. So Andy, imagine this, that, um, you know, you're pastoring and you have a beloved uh, member of your uh, congregation who you have been ministering to for years. You love this person. You, uh, you know, their health has declined over the years, but you are their pastor. You're visiting them at their home. If they've gone into the nursing home or whatever, you have been there for them. All right. Well, when they go into the hospice, yes, we do have our spiritual care people. We do have our chaplains, our hospice chaplains, but I am not, I don't want to be like those hospice that say to the pastor, look, this isn't your area anymore. We have this. And I know you, some of you people are going to be listening to this and say, why would anyone do that? We have seen it happen, even in our nursing homes, where they have said to our chaplains in the nursing home, you stay out. This is now ours. Hmm. All right. And that's that's pretty infuriating. Hmm. Um, but now what I'm going to be able to do is I am going to be able to honor the years that you've had in with this person. And I am going to be able to contract with you as the hospice chaplain. And we want to be able to provide some training and different things for our pastors. But we want our pastors who have been already taking care of their uh, members and stuff to be able to provide that care also under the umbrella of hospice. We also want our pastors to lead their churches to start volunteering um, help for hospice patients. And okay. these are just simple things. I mean, you could come in and just sing hymns with them. Mm -hmm. All right. You could come in and sit with them while the family members are able to go out and have a break. You know, and of course, there's the things where you can go and you can do the yard cleanups and mow the grass and rake the leaves and different things and maybe do some repairs on a house that's needed. Those are kind of volunteer things that that we would be able to uh, provide. But we want to partner with the local church so that it's not like we have a member here who now has gone over into hospice and we have no ministry with her anymore. We still can minister to our member and their family by doing volunteer work. And okay. we are going to be coordinate that, coordinating that with our churches so that our churches have the sense that we are we're still ministering to our members and we're still taking care of them by partnering with Baptist Homes Hospice and Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries in order to provide ministry and comfort and care all the way to the end. So those, those are some exciting things that are going I, on. I think that's really helpful, David, because depending upon where the person goes, and, and obviously uh, with, with the traditional, the Baptist home, they had to go elsewhere, right? You know, now they're like you said that the the number of facilities are expanding. They're right. getting closer locally to to various people, but churches would tend to lose touch, yes. you know, with with some of the people as, as they would move elsewhere. And so, uh, I think there's there's a kind of a everything coming together, gelling together right. with with more localized 
places in different parts of the state now and, and doing that. So that sounds wonderful. What, what, is, what is something that surprised you that, that you've learned, that you've been learning so far, something that you just really did not anticipate in these last couple of months since you joined uh, the organization? Well, I guess I was very surprised at the number of hoops that we have to jump through. Okay. You know, <clears throat> the more I learn, the more I realize that that is critical. That is important. I mean, the there are certain standards. You don't want people out there just coming up with some hospice program who are not able to really take care of people. So all these hoops and, uh, you know, certifications, license and all that, it's absolutely necessary. But I didn't realize just how extensive it was. So that was a surprise. But another surprise to me was as I began my uh, clinical pastoral education, at teaching at being at the hospital. Um, I guess this shouldn't have surprised me, but it, it was a beautiful aha when I start to see the medical personnel, whether they are believers or not, just to see the level of care and concern that they have for their patients. Okay. All right. Whether it's a COVID patient, whether it's a trauma patient, whether it's a heart patient, whatever. There's, I mean, you think about all that KC Med does, and I get to be a chaplain there with a badge that opens almost every door. You know, I can go just about anywhere. And when I'm when I'm ministering to the patients, I'm not only ministering to the patients, but I'm, I'm ministering to the workers there too, and to see their heart for this, and to realize, mm. wow, mm. these people are choice people, and we're going to have that too with our hospice program. We're going to have people who are even more engaged in that. The other thing that, uh, and and this is uh, something that I knew, but I didn't experience it that much. And I, um, but the process of dying, I have found that those people who have no faith, this is a, a, a traumatic experience for them. But those who have faith, even though it's still traumatic, there is that sense of peace in knowing that the time is coming and I have a future that is beyond this body. And I have a future with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in heaven. And this is a transition. And I, I've known that, but as I am seeing and being with people who are coming to the end of their life, just that sense of peace, that understanding, it may not be with the family yet, but the patients, um, they just, they have their faith. They know where they're going. They know they're right with Jesus. And if they're not, they want to get that way, you know. Sure, sure. But just to see that um, that peacefulness as we transition from one life into another, um, that has been, I don't know if I'm going to say it's surprising, because intellectually, I knew that. But now... I have experienced that with many, many people. And I experienced it with my mom and dad. They were both, they both had hospice before okay. they, they left. And, you know, they were both ready, ready to go. And it was, it was a good thing. So to be safe at home, 
to be safe at home, home safe. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And um, so I'm looking forward to this. I really am. It's it's uh, I'm learning a lot. Um, and we're jumping through the right hoops because we are going to be we are going to be if I have anything to do with it, which I do, uh, we are going to be the best hospice program uh, around. Um, with, especially with the backing of Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries behind us, they, we're going to have an awesome hospice program. So you've shared already, David, a little bit about what you're doing now, mm-hmm. and even what you're going to be doing in the future, directing, mm-hmm. uh, e- even being the spiritual care director for now, and then right. kind of handing that yep. off as you grow. Project five years out. What, what is okay. what is David Sunbeam doing? What is Baptist Hospice the uh, Baptist? home hospice look yes. like uh, yes. five to ten years out. Okay, well, ultimately, <clears throat> what I'm working on right now is to make sure that every one of our nursing homes has um, available hospice program from Baptist Homes, okay? And we want to be able to, I'm going back to my church planting uh, terminology, but we want to be able to plant hospice programs so that uh, everybody in Missouri can have access to Baptist Homes Hospice. There's a certain, you know, wherever you're located, you can go out a certain distance and you can go into certain counties depending on how they line up. And there's all these regulations. But my goal is to is to um, continue to start new hospice programs around the state so that every and this isn't limited just to Southern Baptists. Okay, but I want to make sure that every Missouri Southern Baptist, when they come to the point where they um, want to or, or need hospice care, that they will be able, no matter where they live in Missouri, they will be able to turn to Baptist Home Hospice and we will be able to take care of them. I don't know, Andy, if that's uh, possible in five years, but I know it's possible in 10. Okay. Um, and so we will be able to get this done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, you know, the whole idea of partnering with our churches and, you know, partnering with Missouri Baptist Convention. Oh, that just being back there with them and the support and, and all. Um, it's it is a it's quite a task. But I see that we are going to not only be able to to. Um, not only be able to have these hospices, but when you look at our churches and you see all the medical people within our churches, sure, sure. all right, now I want to be able to give them an option to be working in a competitive medical field with competitive benefits and all of that, but working under the umbrella of Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries. So they are working for an unashamedly Christian organization. They can work anywhere. We know that. But we want to draw people who have servant hearts and who want to want who, who wants their job to be more than just taking care of the medical. They want to be part of the process where, yes, they're taking care of physical needs, but they also have their fingers in and a ministry to the spiritual needs of, of those people. And so five, 10 years. Um, don't know where we'll all be yet, but I know, I know some of the places we will absolutely be, but we want to strategically put our hospices so that we 
have the ability to reach out, whether it's crossing the, you know, I mean, just in, in our radius that we can work to be able to cover uh, every Missouri Baptist. Um, of course, there, there will be other people, too, who sure. come in. But I'm really committed to Missouri Southern Baptist so that they can have hospice available to them through Baptist Home Health uh, Hospice and Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries. What, um, so again, as you've, you've already indicated in that last answer, it will be available to anyone. Uh, and I know you're still going through paperwork and all the hoops, as you've mentioned, 10 to 12 months out before anything is really final and, and you're real, truly able to, to mm -hmm. begin to grow from this process. Do you have any idea right now, you shared a little bit of this early, but, but what will allow somebody to qualify to get hospice? Uh, obviously, if, if they're in the facility, you're going to take care of that automatically. Mm -hmm. You know, and you mentioned the six months of life and, mm -hmm. and some other mm -hmm. factors. But just generally speaking, if somebody was in their home and said, you know, I'm not going to be in the Baptist home portion, right. but I want to receive hospice just just kind of generally at this point what are your thoughts on okay how somebody would would qualify or sure absolutely that? so um any person who is having health problems that i mean it doesn't and this not necessarily just older people okay uh, so i i want uh, our listeners to realize that this could be a 20 year old or a 30 year old <clears throat> all right that needs to go into hospice uh, for various reasons but <clears throat> When you're working with your medical person, your doctors and your nurses and all, and it comes down to the point where they're saying to you, there really is, you got to make a choice. Um, either there's nothing more that we can do for you, or we can continue to do these things, but you need to decide on quality of life what you want to do. <clears throat> so, um, when, when you're talking with your doctors about this, these are things which are automatically going to come up. All right. Doctors are trained in this. They understand this. And they, uh, the medical personnel that you are working with normal, on your normal basis, they, they should be talking to you about your options. And one of those options is hospice. And when they dis determine that, that really we need to stop trying to make you better we need to keep you comfortable because you if this as this disease progresses you have six months or less hospice automatically comes into the program all right then they will then at that point the person who wants to go into hospice has a choice of a lot of different hospice programs. So we need to be out there with Baptist Homes Hospice letting them know that we're available. But when they choose if when they choose a hospice program, whatever it is, then the hospice program comes in, confirms with the doctors and all and and all of that, and then they set up a program and it's it's pretty, I mean it's it's like clockwork. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what needs to be done, exactly when, all the paperwork, all of that. Um, you know, there's legal issues that <clears throat> that uh, counselors talk with the family about, about wills and, and you know, uh, do not resuscitate. Uh, those those type of things, they deal with all of that be because we know that, that when you come to that point in your life or you come to that point in the life of your loved one, you... You don't need to be trying to figure this all out yourself. 
because it's already figured out for you. You just need to be presented with the options and then choose your options, what you want to do, and then move forward, not having to worry about the finances of it, not having to worry about all the, you know, who's going to bring the bed and who, where do we get a wheelchair? Where do we get the lift? All that's taken care of. So, um, but once a doctor uh, certifies that the prog, that um, there is six months or less to live, then hospice can kick in. And uh, hospice then working with, of course, the, the government with Medicaid um, also then pays. So it's a, it's a big relief off of the family because they no longer have to, they don't have to pay for any of this. All right. If they're, you know, Medicaid comes in and takes care mm -hmm. of this. Um, and if they last more than six months, that's okay. They can be recertified. Uh, sometimes people go into hospice and amazingly they get to get out of hospice. Um, God has done something or something has happened and they get off of hospice. They may go back later, but they're no longer on hospice because they've somehow gotten better, you know. Um, but most of the time, uh, honestly, people wait too long to be okay. on hospice. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> they wait. And, you know, sometimes people come into hospice and they're only in hospice for two or three days. And they could have been being taken care of and had their needs met way before this. So that's just a part of the educational program that we're going to be having. And that's one of the things that we will be providing with uh, Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries, the education that we provide to our churches. We're, we're going to have people who can come to your church and talk about the hospice program. Okay. Uh, I've told pastors, I said, you may not want... You may not find it um, uh, the av av availability for me to come in and preach to your congregation, but I can come in and talk to your your uh, senior adult Sunday school class. I'd be glad to do that and talk to them because they're the ones that are more interested in hospice because they're the ones that realize, yeah, I'm probably uh, I I may use this or right. I have someone statistically I'm closer. <clears throat> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean a 20-year-old can't be in it, but, you know, a 90-year-old that's having failing health is thinking way more about mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the future than a 20-year-old is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, but we were available to come and talk to your churches, your your, Are you available now even? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now, um, the thing that I would I would tell them is um, I can tell you about it and I can tell you what's coming, but you got to you got to hang in there because we're not. We're, and again, give us kind of a date. What, what's your projection? Understanding is a projection. Right. Lots of hoops left, right. left to go. But. I believe that um, if, if we sit down one year from now not only will we have been dealing with patients, but we will have all of our certifications and everything will be a full-blown hospice program. And the first one is starting in the Smithville area. And once, because we're tying in with the, the campus at Smithville, which is going to be a, um, you know, a veteran's home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we're going to tie in their office there. Um, I office in Jefferson city and I also going to, I'm officing in Smithville. Uh, right now I'm not, I don't have an office there because they're remodeling it, you know, and so we don't, 
uh, I don't actually go there for my office work, but that'll be our first hospice. And that one will be, uh, you know, 10 months uh, okay. to get up and running from now. Uh, but then after that, I think that our next ones will go much quicker. We'll already have done the paperwork and the different things, and it's just going through some of the just new lo different locations. Okay. So within five years, we should have many um, hospice programs around with 10 years. Like I said earlier, I'm hoping to be able to cover every Missouri Southern Baptist in the state so they have access. Okay. Okay. Um, we've covered a wide range of yep. things generally. Anything else that I haven't asked you that you think you would like to share today with those who are watching or listening? Yeah, I would say that I, I know that there's a lot of senior adults who are in our churches who um, they, they've kind of sat down and they've said, you know, I've put in my time. I don't have the energy to keep up with those kids in Sunday school. Uh, I don't have, have, um, I just, they look at the opportunities for service in the local church and they say, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I want to be a part of that anymore. And a lot of them just sit down and are not doing much in ministry. Um, but when it comes to the hospice, we're going to need, I mean, we're going to need prayer warriors. All right. We are going to need people to just take care of their own. We're going to need volunteers. And it's not like it's not like you have to be there, you know, every day or every week. We, but we just need a corpus of volunteers that our volunteer coordinator will be able to call on. And especially being willing to serve the own, your own members in your own church with some volunteer work and that ministry outside the walls of the church. That's what I, I just want to say to people. You've served the Lord and you've served the Lord faithfully, and I don't want you to be sitting back and thinking, oh, these old bones, you know, I'm just dried and shriveled up. Um, God still has a ministry for you, and one of those areas will be in the area of hospital, I mean, uh, hospice ministry. Sometimes it could be in the hospital, sometimes it could be in a nursing home, sometimes it could be at their home, but you still have the ability just to be a friend and to say kind words and read scripture, sing hymns, uh, bring a meal, just different things to help minister to the family as they're going through the hospice time. Yeah, that's good. Prayer, uh, obviously, as you just mentioned, mm -hmm. long-term prayer for those people and, and for those, especially that generation that knows how to pray, that, that needs to teach us younger, you know, how to pray uh, more effectively and whatnot. But what are some things right now that those listening could pray for David Sundin, for Baptist Homes sure. Hospice in general? What, what are some prayer requests you would share? Okay. Remember, and I know you've, 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 people have talked about this before, but 20 years ago, the Baptist Homes left the Missouri Baptist Convention. And when that happened, a lot of people, they quit praying for, they quit supporting, they quit thinking about the Baptist homes. Uh, 
But now that Baptist Homes is back, um, we're asking you to pick up. All right. You used to be concerned. You used to get our information. You used to pray for us and all. We want you to start that. But we also want you to be excited about this and, but, and, you know, to be talking about it with, with people because we have a generation out there that in our Missouri Baptist churches who do not know about the ministry of Baptist homes. All right. That's true. That is true. You know, for 20 years, there was, there was, they were separate. And now Baptist Homes is back. And we need to educate a lot of people who've never even heard about them before. And so I would say, you know, get the newsletters, um, get the magazine, uh, look to see and just just pray. Pray about Baptist Homes Healthcare Ministries in their expansion. Pray for the staff. Pray for all of that. There is a transition going on right now. Um, and growth, and that always brings need for prayer. Uh, pray specifically for Baptist Homes Hospice, that we will be able, right now, I mean, even start right now, pray for the process as we're going through it. Pray that God will bring me, because, I mean, I have to have medical directors, I have to have directors of nursing, I have to have nurses aides, I have to have all these people. We're not ready to start hiring them now, but when we're ready, we need God to just open up the doors and show us the people. And I know they're going to come from our churches. So just be, maybe you're a medical person right now and you're listening to this and you've made it all the way through the end of this podcast. And you're thinking, Hey, when this thing goes, I want to look into it, pray about your um, work in it, but just lift us up in prayer. Ask God to open the doors and open the windows and make the path straight so that we know where to go, what to do, how to do it, and that we have favor with all the agencies that we need to work with so that we can provide this ministry and this service to Missouri Southern Baptists and beyond. Dr. Sunday, and I appreciate your time today, and I'm I'm sure when we get down the road somewhere, we're going to have you back on to give us an update. Anytime. Uh, yeah. So again, thank you for your time today. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by the Baptist Home, go to www dot the baptist home that's all one word dot org again www dot the baptist home dot org you will find links to previous podcasts a growing number of church resources and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities until next time this is your host dr andy brams asking you to be a voice for the aging